Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. My name is Luke Staten. The reason behind this creation is to share words of wisdom, hope and optimism through conversation that can show us just what's possible in life. I've been truly inspired by the words I have not only listened to, but deeply heard from the people I've shared conversations with. I hope you enjoy hearing how everyday people overcome trials and tribulations and when faced with adversity, find a way to use this to their advantage. Common theme throughout, from all the different guests on the series, from wherever they are from, whatever beginning, whatever background, is they all have a desire for more from life. They all want to live a life of fulfillment. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I do creating. Thank you for joining me. So I met this guy two years ago when I was suffering severely with a lot of back discomfort. And I went to visit Dr. Tom at his chiropractic practice in Lincoln. And within one meeting, I knew this was a guy that I wanted to stay connected with because I don't use this disrespectfully to any profession when I say he was more than just a chiropractor. And what I mean by that is I've seen many professionals over many years and sometimes you feel you see somebody and they are literally just seeing you for what they're about to do and then off you go and you'll never remember them again. And there's many of you on here that have probably seen lots of doctors, physios, personal trainers, but there's only a select few people in your life that stick in your mind, many reasons. Now, when I first met Dr. Tom, I was totally kind of focused on what he was saying. And what was really great is I trusted him and I believed him. And the reason I know that is because I also took my little boy, Ronnie, who was only 10 times to see Dr. Tom for some treatment because he's getting a lot of knee pain. And within a few sessions, a few weeks, my son's knee pain had gone and he was, be, he was able to do his kind of spins at his gymnastics and land flat and land with comfort. So I trusted Dr. Tom with my son. There's no greater kind of accolade that I could ever give anybody than my son's in your hands. Please take care of him. So this guy is an absolute beast. And I'm excited. I've been thinking about this all day. What questions do I want to learn from him? And our chiropractic appointment was about five minutes. And I was trying to have conversations and he's trying to get on to the next person. So I'm really pleased that I've got him tonight for the next 40 45 minutes. So for those of you who haven't received the email or haven't read about Tom, Dr. Tom's a chiropractor. He's got his own chiropractic clinic in Lincoln. Um, he's also host of his own Dr. Tom podcast, which is invited me on, but I'm yet still to make. So I must make that happen. He's also the founder of the Finding You Project, which I'm going to talk to him about a little bit more later. He's always on the radio. Some of you guys might not, not get on there because it's a local radio, but he's always on the radio um, spreading the magic of love and talking about all these beautiful things. And you're going to hear more from him in a sec. Lastly, he's also a property investor and an entrepreneur. And the guy, you're probably thinking this guy's got to be 70. Well, he's a young man and he's a lot younger than me. So guys, could you give Dr. Tom a big virtual round of applause, please? And if you could just unmute yourself, Dr. Tom, yeah, if you aren't yeah. already. Hello, mate. How, how are you doing, Rand? I'm good, thank you. Welcome to my broom cupboard. We're moving house, so I'm literally in the corner. Um, and I'm quite jealous of what I'm seeing. Tom, I, I want to borrow one of your hats, please, mate, at some point. Uh, and I'm liking Marvin's artwork behind him. So thank you very much uh, for letting me see just a snippet of your lives. And Luke, such a pleasure to be with you. Um, yeah, Mirrored right back at you, my friend. Like As soon as you came into my practice... And I, you know, I, without bragging, I see hundreds of people a week and you stood out straight away. So thank you for, for being that person, that beacon of light, even when you're seeking help from somebody else. So it's such a pleasure to be here with you today and, and share with you as much as I can. Thank you so much, Dr. Tom. I really, and what do you prefer to be called, by the way? Because I call you Dr. Often. Do you prefer, you prefer Tom? Tom. I, I'm not that intelligent, <laughs> Luke. Come on. Just call me Tom. <laughs> Don't play it down, Tom. So I'm going to go right in there. Okay. I'm going to dive straight in. And I'm going to start with the word integrity. Mm. So I hear you talk about integrity a lot in terms of losing self-integrity, which sometimes holds us back from achieving the life that we want to live. Could you expand on that, please, Tom? Yeah, great question. And you've just, you've just gone straight into it, haven't you? I mean, you warm me up. So the, like, the missing link uh, between your dreams and your success is integrity. So... A lot of people have done goal setting and they've worked on their values to find out who they are. 
and they've got this idea of what they want to achieve in life. And when I work with people, I, I start off with that. And then I try to make them a congruent person, which essentially means you align your values with your actions. So everything you do on a daily basis is aligned with your values. But integrity is the missing link. It's the glue that binds your values to your actions. So most of you on this call, well, everyone on this call has got integrity to some extent. Luke said, let's be here at eight o'clock. We all got here at eight o'clock. So you had an integrity to somebody else. You kept your promise to somebody else. But dare I say, a lot of you lack self-integrity. So the last time you told yourself, you know what, I'm going to, um, I'm going to run every day this week. Trainers stayed at the front door. Or I'm going to eat vegetables five days a week and one day you missed. Now, self-integrity really is the glue to take us from where we want to be to, to there. And a lot of self-inspection is needed. And I think that's the place that we get to once we've done our values and once we've got our goals. But what everyone comes to the end of the year, January 1st, you set your new goals and the same thing the next year. And it's the integrity that stops us from doing that. Um, and it's a muscle that you've got to flex. You know, like if you go to the gym and you train to get stronger so that the next time you have to, I don't know, lift a car off a baby or something, you can do it. But if you have these little measures of self-integrity that you build up and up and up and up and up over weeks, that compounds. I'm sure you've all read the book, The Compound Effect. And that's how we succeed in life. We compound these little achievements over time. So instead of saying to yourself, I'm going to run every day this week, why not say to yourself, I'm going to get some movement every day this week? It's achievable. And at the end of the week, you can tick that box and go, yeah, well, I kept that promise to myself. Next week, you know what? I'm going to at least have some vegetables every day, even if it's just one stem of broccoli. Tick at the end of the week, self-integrity. And it builds and it builds and it builds so that when you have those big projects that you're trying to achieve, you have that integrity muscle to flex to make it a reality. I love that, Tom. And yeah, probably the reason I get injured a lot in sport is because I don't warm up. I go straight in, just like I did with podcasts. I've gone straight in because I wanted to go straight in when you was unaware and not ready for the question just to get Tom on fire and I know how responsive you are. And now I'm going to rewind slightly. One of the things you said to me when I walked in your press, and this leads on from integrity, I can't remember the exact words, but I asked you a question. You said something like, it was reaching a certain age. I think you said 30, so forgive me if I'm wrong. It was reaching an age 30 and realizing I've got nothing to show for it. Mm. That's what started to trigger something in your mind. Can you remember that? It was obviously in passing. You see hundreds of people each week. So but true. as we said something, you, you said that and... For me, it was like, okay, the guy's got a story there. At some point in his life, he's looked and reflected in the mirror and gone, this, this isn't good enough. I need to step it up a little bit. Can you remember what was happening through your earlier years and how you got to this point? I completely I remember that point so vividly. Um, I used to live a beautiful sort of barn farm uh, down in Bristol. And it was, a, it was a cute, cozy room and the fire log fire burning behind, the big oak beams up top. And I've got my little desk in the corner. It was a really creative space, you know, the thick kind of wall that's just, it's absorbed life for hundreds of years. And I was sitting there working and my, my 30th birthday was coming up and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought to myself, I'm a third of the way through my life. What have I got to show for it? Now to add some context to this, I was <laughs> financially doing really well. And in a job that had no stress, but it had no meaning. You know, I'd earn a lot of money, spend a lot of money and have nothing to show for it. Um, and it had zero meaning. So I remember that vividly and it just, it really lit a fire inside me. And as I've looked into that more, there's a number that I keep close. And I, I tell people this all the time. There's one number that you've just got to keep thinking about. It's 30,000. 30,000. If you can type in the chat, does anyone know what 30,000 is? Why, why is 30,000 significant? Does anybody know? Anybody know? 
30,000 is the average number of days that we all have on this planet. That's it. 82 times 365. It's not a lot of days. So if you're approaching 40, or on the other side, it's 15,000 days left. And then we get into this whole, you know, you talk about integrity, you talk about living somebody else's values, you talk about living a life that's not yours, living up to somebody else's expectation, fearing judgment. It's a big number that we just go, whoa, if I don't do something now, I don't get it back. And in my journal every morning, I always write, today is not repeated tomorrow. Because it's not. And at what point then, Tom, you know, when you sat there and you're in this beautiful place and you've got the money's coming in, you can have what you want, when you want, within reason, you're enjoying life. At what point did you start to think, I want it, that, it's not about the money. It's not about this. There's, there's something else within me. What? How did you get to that point, though? Because that's like a, a, a eureka moment, isn't it? That all of a sudden that hits you and then all of a sudden you start to create and think. What do you think got you to that point? That's a brilliant question. I, th I, th I think, to be honest, boredom had a lot to play with it. That lack of fulfillment that, you know, this is easy. We're built for more. When you, when you come, to, come to understand the concepts of money, money is just motion. Money's motion. Like, we're not meant to hoard and earn and save loads of money because that, that has no purpose. You know, you put that money into motion and it moves and it grows and it expands whatever you're doing. Um, and I think for me, it was boredom was the driver, the want to be significant. And a lot of times we poo-poo that want to be significant because people tell us that, nope, especially as Brits, we should, uh, you know what, just keep quiet and carry on. We all have a drive to be significant. And it, there is, what is it, the six, six human habits or something, but two polar habits that we have as human beings, two polar drives, is the want to be significant and connection. We want to be significant, yet we want to be connected. We want to be close to our friends. Yet if you ever do anything significant in life, what does it do? It draws you away from the people that you're close to. So managing these two human emotions is tough. And I think I was just probably caught in this comfort phase. There's a great saying, it says comfort, it comes as a guest, it lingers as a host, and it stays to enslave us. Comfort comes as a guest, it lingers as a host, and it stays to enslave us. One of the biggest reasons people don't move forward and, and, and expand their businesses or grow in life is because they just become comfortable. And I think it's that, it's realizing that other polar opposite emotion of significance that we shy away from because we're so British sometimes that stops people from, from moving past that comfort phase. But that was something that I yearned for. So I think that's why I yeah. chose to move forward. And I think that it's a really great point that you was comfortable actually in your life at that time in terms of you was comfortable and you could have cruised and continued cruising, spending and earning, but it was a deeper drive within you. It wanted more, more meaning, more significance. You want to make a difference. Was the people around you that you saw doing things that you thought, you know what, I admire that. I like what I see there. And I don't mean in terms of financial wealth. I mean, in terms of the significance, who was your role models that you saw that to know that you wanted some of it? Les Brown, he's always been a huge role model. I was blessed enough to, to be able to speak to him um, a few months ago. A coach of mine got him on his show and it was, it was great. Um, I think if I looked at the people close to me, they weren't, they weren't pushing. They weren't, they weren't achieving as much as they could. And again, that's a hard thing to do. Culling your friends, moving away from your friends. That's tough sometimes. Family holds us back most of the time. Um, for me, the, there's a couple of people in my profession who, you know, have achieved notoriety. For me, it was being able to, the drive for me was to want to be able to be paid to get on a plane, fly around the world, jump off, do a talk, get on a plane and come home. That's what I saw. And when I saw people doing that, um, that was the driver for me that, that gave me the inspiration to do it. Okay, you like the idea of that. And what was the message that you decided that you wanted to deliver by doing that? 
I think my message is really to wake up people to their true authentic self. Um, my message has, has been born out of personal struggle and it's changed over the years. I think initially I just wanted to shake people and wake them up and that doesn't work. No one likes to be pushed. No one likes to be pushed. People like to be led. Um, so I suppose what happened, if you take that story forward, really interesting is I then got to this point to maybe when we first met, like three years ago, like from the outside, people have gone, wow, super successful. He's got a big practice. He's leading well-being for, you know, for the emergency services. He's flying nearly every weekend to Europe or around the world to speak. And like, it's like, wow. But on the inside, something still wasn't right. And what started to happen, if we cut a long story short, is every time I went to the bathroom, I started to bleed. And being a typical man, I just ignored it and ignored it. Um, eventually tell my wife and she's like, well, don't you think you should know better and go and do something about this? Again, cut the long story short, it ends up I had pre-cancer in the bowel. And I firmly believe that the universe will stop you in your tracks if you're not being congruent with what you're designed or here to do. Now, most of us get stopped in our tracks every now and then with a cough, a cold, a flu. We break a leg. We pull a hamstring. And we say, oh, it's just, just happened. I firmly believe that's the universe waking you up and trying to tell you you're doing the wrong thing. I have ignored two broken arms, broken legs, um, financially money being stolen, and then the universe just had to slap me in the face and say, you know what? You're not matching your, your actions with your values. So instead of going down the medical route to get this thing sorted and cured, what I did is I self-inspected as to why it came on in the first place. And it's that mismatch of congruency, which is not aligning your actions with your values. And the beautiful thing is, is you go through that inspection as life then changed from that point forwards. From the outside, the success looks the same, but from the inside, it's built on solid foundations. We're built on the rock, not the sand. And my message now and my real purpose in life is to wake people up to that before it becomes an issue. So the Finding You project is all about trying to help people find out who they really are why they're not leaning into their true selves and helping them do that in a, in a, in a way that's possible. So you're at that point, Tom, three years ago, you, you know, they get, you get this, the bleed, you're obviously concerned, you investigate further. When, what changes did you make then from that, from three years ago, what changes in terms of your, because you're an international speaker, you're, you've got property investments, you've got your practice. They, it's all, I can't get in to see you for six to eight weeks. Just insane how busy you are. You're on the radio, you're doing your podcast. So three years ago, you've got this health condition. What changes did you make then and how did you make them to be how you are today? Ayn Rand's a great philosopher. She's an amazing woman. She says this amazing thing. Take care of me for you. Take care of you for me. Take care of me for you. Take care of you for me. I got selfish. I became selfish. I put myself first. Um, I try not to use the word busy anymore. I think busy is a fool's badge. You know, it was the badge of honor through the last eight years from the last financial crash to now. Busy was, was the badge of honor. Um, it's a fool's badge. And I think what, what this whole year has allowed us to do is just put the brakes on and stop. And I suppose I did that just a little bit before this all happened. I started telling everybody I was busy on certain days of the week or for certain half days when I was actually just busy doing nothing. So I suppose the thing that I did was to do less and focus on me more was the main thing. This year has been a bit of a... That did you find that was more productive for your businesses as well, Tom, by doing that? I, through the roof. Like this year's been like first quarter, not so good, but next three quarters, best quarters we've had. And that's because 
I think everybody's starting to play the same game of, of let's focus on ourselves. Let's focus on our health. Let's, let's take, do what's important instead of just having that to-do list. Let's have a list that gets done and then we do us or we do us and then we get that list done. Yeah. It's really interesting because I know you, you, you often all, you, I've seen you and heard you and read you talk a lot about um, if you want to be happy, make the people happy, which obviously you give to give. And in time, the law, the law of attraction says we will receive. So it sounds like you prior was giving, 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 but in a lot of areas, in every area that you could, but you wasn't giving yourself that self-care, that self-love, that being kind to you. Because often I think people think we're selfish when we take care of ourselves, when really I think we're selfish when we don't, because how can we keep giving to the world if we're not taking care of ourselves? Because you're responsible for lots of people that come through your door every week. You're, you're responsible for the thousands of people you stand on the stage and talk in front of. Now, if you need to take that half a day, I see that as being a selfish thing by not doing it. And that's how I changed my mind, because if I went to the gym, Tom, say eight o'clock at night and I couldn't put my children to bed. I'm thinking I'm being selfish going to the gym, but my, the kids want the best version of the dad to make sure I'm here when they've got kids. And I started that mindset because there's lots of people on here that are such great, nice people that want to give so much yet. They don't give to the person in the mirror enough. How did you kind of come to turn to people saying, and, you know, I know you, you, you've got your wife who you work with and you spend loads of time with. You clearly got many aligned dr dreams, which is amazing. How did you how did you start to then justify spending more time on you how you want to if it wasn't in a line with your friends and the social circles that you had? Good question. Um, well, for starters, I don't have many friends of big social circles. I think you'll find that happens when you start to move forward. Um, I, I am blessed and fortunate to have a wife who's very much on board and who has the same dreams and visions, but more importantly, has her own independent dreams and visions uh, and her ability to do that herself. Um, saying no is the hardest thing. Like for me, saying no was the hardest thing to stop or to start. I remember one of my team challenging me on this as, as a joke. She says, Tom, can I have 2000 pounds? And I said, I'll think about it. And she was testing me. I couldn't, I'd like my, my vocals just wouldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> I have said no since, um, but I've learned, I've learned to say no. Um, and that was, that was difficult. Um, I think routines have helped me prioritize myself. Um, making sure I have a, what I call a playlist as opposed to a to-do list uh, has helped me prioritize myself. Um, realizing that a lot of the stuff we do is useless. Like for a long time, I've sat on boards and um, been involved in the politics of whatever professions I've been in. I've come to realize nothing happens from the top down. That's what I love speaking with groups like this is because it's the roots up and that's where change happens. So, you know, letting go of stuff that you just do because it looks good or uh, because someone says it might be good, that, that was the easiest ones to drop. Learning to say no is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And I know there's people on here that I know personally that will say yes to everybody, but say no to themselves. And it sounds like you were saying no to yourself back then when you wanted that time, you needed that time. But it's like, I haven't got time because I'm saying yes to everybody else. And I haven't got any money because I'm giving her £2,000. <laughs> well, it's funny that because I do, a, I, one of the talks I do is, uh, what do I call it? Um, be selfish, the most selfless thing you can do. And I start off by talking about Mother Teresa. And I say that Mother Teresa was probably the most selfish person to have ever lived. And for most people, they can't believe that. Yet Mother Teresa, an amazing individual who changed countless lives, only ever followed and spoke on her faith. She would never attend an anti-rally, no matter whether it was anti something that was you know, needed to be stopped. She would always attend pro. 
She traveled around the world in a private jet. And she didn't do a television interview or radio interview for 10 years. Yet because she said no to all of this stuff and she was so stuck on her purpose and she was being selfish in that pursuit, she's known to be one of the most selfless people who ever lived. So we just have to change, you know, the words we choose and use can be so powerful over us. Um, And I don't think being selfish is anything to to be wrong with. Yeah. And it brings me to the question, Tom, that so looking at you from the outside and, and I think people find this a challenge so kind of when you look at a lot of professionals a lot of um, experts or a lot of people that are doing something at a really high level whether it's a speaker you know a doctor a nurse a professional snooker player whoever it is you just see from the outside world and you see this person that's just living the dream you see them like they've just got it going off and they project the image of what's authentic and everything's great. And then you get everyday people that sit there and they look on Instagram and they look at somebody and go, I'm so far away from that. Like I'm so far away from what I'm seeing there. I don't even know where to start because they're just at a level that I will never get to. However, when you're talking about your life, at one point you was below the water in terms of the iceberg metaphor and gradually start to make changes very early on and you said earlier you said I had my own personal struggles and that's what kind of I was born from my my personal struggles allowed me to then learn more about myself to get to where I am just so people are here because I know the types of um, issues and challenges that people face and the types of success people have had when you was in your struggles so when you was in your dark moments and when you was in um, an area of kind of how do I move on from this? How did you do that? Because I think the magic lives that if you can be in a storm or be in a real dark place, but you've got the ability to think past it and tend to make steps and some movement, you're going to get somewhere better. So people are sat here listening, going, Tom's this guy, he's an international speaker, he flies all over the world, he's got a phenomenal practice, he's an entrepreneur, is this, is this, is this. How do you, how do you even get started is my question. Great question. Um, I was just listening to a Navy SEAL talk about this earlier, actually. So I might steal a little bit what they said, but I'll talk about what I do. Um, <laughs> those that pass SEAL training compared to those who don't are the ones who take each day at a time. Their goal is to make it a breakfast. So visions and dreams and aspirations are really important. I mean, I look over my shoulder and the only thing really left in this room is, is, is a little vision board. Um, and having those dreams and aspirations are really important. But sometimes we get caught in analysis paralysis. We, we just don't do anything. We just read the next book and the next book and the next book and the next book and nothing ever changes. A lot of it is the thought in our head and a lot of it is our fear of judgment is a lot of what it comes down to and fear of the unknown. Our brains are wired for defense Our brains are wired for fight and flight and they'll keep us away from danger as much as they can. You need to stop listening to yourself and you need to start talking to yourself. You need to stop listening to yourself and you start talking to yourself. Now, I'm sure you've heard about doing affirmations before and and all of this stuff. And I'll tell you now why it's probably not worked for you. Simple, simple neurology behind this. The reason that affirmations don't work. It's because we do them when we're awake. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do them while you're asleep. I'm going to ask you to catch yourself between being asleep and awake. If you've ever been to see a stage hypnotist, they can make people do anything. And the reason they can do that is because they put that person into an alpha and a theta brainwave state. Your brain has four wave states. There's one while you're asleep, there's one while you're awake, and then there's two that you move through between going from sleep to awake or from awake to sleep. I'm sure you can, you can understand that your brain is different when you're asleep to awake. And you all understand that sort of grogginess that you go through when you get into your awake state, and that tiredness that you go through as you go into your sleep state. That's you moving through alpha and theta brainwave states. 
this is when we're most suggestible. This is when we can suggest into our subconscious and change our subconscious thought. We can actually reprogram what's in our subconscious thought. So I was blessed and fortunate enough when I was young to go to a really good boys' school. But the dagger in that was I was the thickest boy in the class with a red mop of hair. I basically left school thinking I could do absolutely nothing. So I had to change what was in my mind. That This process happened over at least 10 years. But the way we do it is we start our affirmations when we're in alpha and theta brainwave states. We have to do it within the first 30 to 60 minutes of the morning or the last 30 to 60 minutes in the evening. It's much easier to do in the morning because you're moving towards awake. If you do it in the evening, you're moving towards asleep and your thought trail can be lost. So as we wake up in the morning, there's three things that you can do to really change how your brain is working, really get your body and your physiology and your mental programming different. And this actually works. The first thing you need to do is hydrate. The first thing you need to do is hydrate. When we're asleep, we expel so much moisture from our breath. If you've ever got a plant in your house that is sick, put it in the bedroom. Because the plant will come back to life with the amount of moisture that you breathe out overnight. You reduce your brain capacity by about 20% the amount of dehydration we have overnight. So if you get a pint of water, we drink it first thing in the morning, our brain starts to fire. It starts to wake up. Remember this thing? Controls everything. You then need to get some movement into the body. Now, you don't need to go for a run necessarily, but you need to physically move your body. The only reason your brain is alive is because your body is moving. As the body moves, the brain grooves. As the body moves, the brain grooves. So now you're getting these neural connections firing. You've got a hydrated brain, neural connections are firing. Your brain is awake, but you're still physiologically moving through alpha and theta. So you're still suggestible. Now you get your notebook. Now you get your affirmation, your vision statement, your vision board, and you go to work at that time of the morning. And you start to reprogram the subconscious and your body starts to become alive to it so that it is the natural pattern. So people come in often to see me and they go, I can't believe how energetic you are or why do you speak so positive positively all the time because it's programmed it's now subconscious and the other beautiful thing you should do at that time and i suggest doing this before you put pen to paper is listen because if you want to go a level deeper it's not really the subconscious it's the superconscious What's more intelligent, your conscious mind or your subconscious mind? What keeps millions of functions happening in your body every single day? When two people are working together, how can one predict the other's thought before they even say it to them? The superconscious is really what is meant to be speaking to us and we are meant to be listening. Whatever religion you are, they'll always talk about someone receiving a message. This is how we receive messages these days. Program. But if you sit in that stillness when you're in alpha and theta, you'll be surprised what starts to come to you. And if you can't think, I don't know what I'm meant to do. Like People talk about having a purpose and a vision and a gift. Like I have no idea. Because you haven't listened to you. You've been told who you should be. So the way we can change from being that person who is day to day looking up at these people who are doing amazing things in life and thinking they can never get from here to here is to stop chasing that but start here. Like, yes, I have a private jet and a Lamborghini on that board that I, I like to aspire to. But it starts in here. Like, what is your purpose? What are you designed for? Program yourself to be that vision that you should be. And I know people have probably told you to do this before, but if you do it at that particular time of the day, that's when it actually works.
I think that's a real interesting point. And what's really great is that at any given time, we can make changes in our life to get more from life than, than what we've got. And I was listening to something recently. They said, by the age of 35, you're a product of your experiences, your environment, and your habits that you've created through how you've been brought up or what you've seen and what you've decided to do. And it's just an automatic program, like driving your car. So the habits of which we have are, are ingrained by the age of 35. Now to, to hide them, to change them, is exactly what you're talking about is how do we reprogram the way that we think to change the way that we feel, to change the actions of which we take to get the life of what we want. So I haven't always behaved and been how I am now. You know, I've had to change and hijack certain habits, certain ways of being and replace them for something better, but it takes time and consistency. However, what you're saying is that when you've got a deeper reason to do it, there's more effort that goes in because you're doing it for something greater than just, I'm going to make a change. Because often when I work in schools with kids, you say to kids, are you pleased to be at school today? They're like, no, I, I don't like school. For what reason? I hate it. What's the point? And I'm like, I get that. What is the point? Why would Hazlitt that sat there now log on at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night to watch this if there wasn't a reason that he wanted to be here to learn something, to do something with it? And I think once you start to find what you want from life and you start to define the purpose of which you have and the meaning of what you want your life to live for and stand for and you want to leave the legacy behind, you then start to go, how do I now be that person at the end of time, when I look at him now, how do I become him? And I knew personally, I couldn't drink cans of Red Bull. I couldn't have a few beers uh, or, or more than a few beers every Friday night and Saturday night. I couldn't stay in bed till a certain time on a Sunday. I couldn't not exercise because that didn't match. When you talk about congruency, the person I wanted to become and leave the message for my children wasn't living the way that he was today. He was living the wrong person. The person I was living like was somebody that's going to die at 50 because it's just unhealthy, rash all over the place, uh, incremental, can be moody, all these things, because I had all this, this bad stuff that was still in my mind from younger. Now, once you start to look at what you want in life and you start to see the bigger picture, then you go, how do I become him? How do I become her there? And I have to go, right, I have to change these things. And what I love about what you're saying is that Often people think they want to do it, but then it's like, oh my God, I've missed a workout. I've eaten a crap meal. You know, I, I didn't talk for the 8 p.m. on a Wednesday. Or I always do this. I've got no willpower. And all it is is that program that's running, isn't it, that keeps keeps doing it. I, I try something I never can do well. I start again. I try something. So many people say I can just never stick at anything. And all it is is the habits of which you've created. So how else, Tom, would you suggest, though? So you've got the morning routine there, which I know you because I follow you so closely on uh, Instagram and you're like five o'clock in the gym and I'm like, my goodness. So you've got these rituals that you follow that help you be how you are. How else would you say, other than that morning ritual, how can we start to be aware of the habits that aren't serving as well? And how can we hijack them and replace them for a, another habit? Because that's the challenge that people have. How do I drop the Red Bull for water? How do I get rid of the kebab for a salad? How do I do that when it's so tempting? Yeah, it's a great question. And part of that is you've got to have a big enough why. You know, if you've got family, it's quite simple. Just put a picture of them on the fridge if, if, if food is your thing that you go to. Um, the 30,000 is, is, you know, remembering that number for me is a way to, to really change things, but having a, a good inspection of your values and really be honest with it. One of the ones I really, I, I find a lot of people I work with struggle with the most is they say, I'm a, I'm a family man. I'm a family woman. Family's everything to me. Yet they're on the road. They're working late. They're picking up calls when their kids are home. And there's this frustration. There's this bitterness, this resentment to themselves. And I said, well, is family actually your biggest value? Or is your value the work that you do, the contribution that you make? And the byproduct of that is the support that your family gets. So I know when, when I look back on this, I know my dad, if I asked him, he'd say, family is my biggest value. 
Yeah, he was away all the time. Yet he was a great father. I have a, a, a 10 set um, questions. I haven't got it in front of me, but I can, um, I can certainly email it to you, Luke, and you can pass it on to your, your, your group of how to really figure out your values. But there's a couple of questions on there. A couple of questions you can ask yourself. If you looked around your house, what are, what, what are the three things that appear the most? If you looked around your house, what are the three things that appear the most? Because you're already living your values on a subconscious level. You're already doing it. You can't not live your values. You, you can't not. It is you. So for Chris, I'm looking behind Chris, and there's a brilliant bookshelf there. Now, knowledge and learning and, and reading might be one of his values. Marvin had an artwork, and that might be one of his values. If you look around my house, you've got plants, books, and journals. Nature and education. You could then show me your bank account. There are some mastermind groups I've been a part of, and, and you know what? You have to actually show them your entire bank account before you can start. It's the most oh thing ever. But show me your bank account, and I'll show you your values. You'll spend your money on what your values are. You would already be spending your money on what your values are. What is it that you, or if I spoke to your friends and I asked your friends, what is it, what is it that Sharon always talks about? What is it Sharon always talks about? That's going to be your values. So if you can find these values and these values aren't, I think the misconception with values is we, they become ethereal words. Oh, I'm, I, I have integrity and I am, uh, honest and these are my values but they're just words they're not your core values so you really distill your core values and then when you've got your values you rank them in an order and then you self-inspect your life and you go well where am i actually living these values against what i'm actually doing and then you start to flex your integrity muscle and you start to say yes to what are and no to what aren't and that's difficult. And I think one of the biggest things that stops people, especially in this space, is that they're already kind of doing some good stuff, achieving some good stuff and doing well. But to step into their values, they're going to have to step back in terms of what maybe society sees. Take a pay cut. Lose a couple of friends. But have you ever got a slingshot? Like, um, what do you call them? You know, a slingshot. Catapult. Catapult. The further you want to make the catapult go, the further you have to pull it back. If you're prepared just to make a little change, whoop, going anywhere. But sometimes you have to take a step back so you can slingshot forwards. And it's about getting uncomfortable, but trusting that process that, yes, I've only got 30,000 days. But conversely, I've also got a lot of time. I've got a patient at the moment. He's 98. Fantastic gentleman. He's been on the earth for so long. Like, life is long when you live in the moment. But you've got to have the urgency to do something now and enjoy the moment that you have. So I think the way we, you know, to get unstuck is to really figure out your values and be prepared to pull that slingshot back and have a bit of faith and confidence that it will fly forwards in the future. And Tom, just listening to you there, I'm like, I've got about 14,275 days. I'm, I'm up and at it tomorrow because that isn't long. <laughs> I've got 4,275 days and some of us on here will have less some of us have a lot more um, and I remember when I was a young sportsman I was 20 years of age and I went to meet a football agent and he said something similar he said something like you've got about as a footballer on average you've got about another 125 paychecks to receive so you better start looking after your money and unfortunately I didn't even have that many because it was over for me pretty soon but there's people on here that played high-level sport in the Premier and above. And um, it's the same metaphor, really. But I think until you hear that, you're not always aware of it because often you hear, I'll start tomorrow or the classic already December is what? I'll, I'll start after Christmas. I've got a lot on before Christmas, so I'll start taking care of myself 
after Christmas, by then we've put another stone on and then we've got a mountain to climb and then it gets to February, it's too hard and we're back again. Um, a, a question I've got for you, Tom, which I'd like to ask people, if, if you fast forward now and you've got Dr. Tom Waller, 80 years of age, what's one bit of advice, Dr. Tom Waller at 80, is there now at 80 years of age, he comes into your room, has gone out and all of a sudden you look in front of you you might look a bit like this at 80, by the way, as well. They st still can have the beard, just nothing on top. Very handsome. <laughs> and you look there, say, you have a cardigan on as well at 80. So your 80-year-old self, Tom, looks across and he says, right then, son. And it, there's one piece of advice he's going to give you today that he would like you to invest more effort into. What's the one area that he would suggest that you put more into than you are now for whatever reason? I think for me, it's still a battle of enjoying the moment. I think it's still something I, I, I'm still a dreamer and a chaser and I still sometimes miss the moment. Um, I think that's what, I think that's what I tell myself. What, what would be the one thing, Tom, that he would say he's most proud of you for up to date? Caring. genuinely caring I think is you know I think I, I'm a I, I can go far out here <laughs> but you know I, I, I firmly believe we're all here for a purpose we're all we're, we're animations of energy on this planet and we have a duty to keep that animation that vibration high and human beings are pack animals at the end of the day we're designed to work together designed to contribute towards a herd it's how we it's how we're made up it's how we release those endorphins without drugs or sugar. The world is becoming so disconnected from, from our fellow neighbor and, e uh, and each other. Our choices are, our ability to, to make our own choices has been taken away. And I think caring connection is, is the most important thing that we can all do. Um, so I think that's what I'd be most proud of myself for. Amazing. And the last one, Tom, how will you want to be remembered? So when you get to 80, you're in the later chapters of life. How will you want to look back and remember your existence? There's three words I liked. Brendan Burchard, I read, a, I read his book a while ago, and he talks about having three words for the day. And there's three words I live my life by, and they are joy, courage, and I'm just about to forget the third one. Integrity. Joy, courage, and integrity. I'd like to be remembered for someone who was joyful in the moment, had the courage to be vulnerable. If you read Brené Brown's stuff, courage is not about being brave and opposing fear. It's about being vulnerable. And having the integrity to act on what he said and, and be true to his word. Amazing. And I could sit here, Tom, and actually I've got like so many questions I want to ask to learn from you for me, but also for, for the group. And just listening to you, you can see the authenticity. And I've known you for a long time now. And um, as we do in life, we meet many, many people. And, you know, over time, you get to really see who someone is, even though our relationship is at a distance because of what we do we still connect often. And for me to sit here listening to you that started off at 30 years of age and you've got that eureka moment of, right, I want more from life, to then start to investigate himself further and start to challenge himself, educate, to become a businessman, an entrepreneur, an international speaker and fly all over the world. It's just insane of what can be accomplished by every single one that's listening to this because there is, and I mean this with the utmost respect, there is nothing different to you, to the next person. All that's different is the choices and the kind of, the way that you start to look at life and look at yourself and the actions of what you take. That's what's different. Now, everybody on here, because I know everybody on here so well in their story, I'm sat here thinking, I hope she's listening to this. I hope he's got that down. I hope they're going to start doing that in the morning. I hope they're going to start taking note because... When I said about some people from the outside looking on Instagram and they go, just too big, like too far and 
You know, you look at Les Brown and Les Brown's a, one of the greatest motivational speakers of all time, guys. For those of you who haven't heard of him, probably 80 years of age, I've seen him live, amazing. Travels the world and always has done. He's a pioneer um, without question. But he started somewhere and he's become that, just like Tom has. And now there's many of you that I know you've got these dreams, these goals and these aspirations. However, sometimes I think that we look at it as so big and go, how can I do that? But Tom, for me, is just another living example of we can all do it if we're prepared to do what's necessary. And the ritual Tom has in terms of the journaling, the gym in the morning, caring, not, not changing his values to make more money, but he wants to make money to live the life that he wants and be able to help people in the community. And he's got a great team within his business. So for me to sit here, Tom, and just consistently hear your authenticity like this when I've met you in the practice, it's so real which is a beautiful thing because it's easy to do it when people are watching, but then when nobody's watching, be this asshole that does whatever they want. But that, that isn't real. And I think you get found out in life. Now I believe a lot of your success personally, your success, I believe just comes through that sheer authenticity of which you show every single day, wherever you are, whoever you're with, you've got that time to give people. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons that you're where you are because you've got that warmth, you draw people in. So from me to you, Tom, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. I'd be really honoured, grateful and super appreciate any shares and subscribes possible. Please give this to any family, friends and loved ones anywhere in the world that you feel could take value from what you've just heard too. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to speaking to you real soon on the next episode. From me to you, have a wonderful day. Take care. All my love, energy, inspiration, Luke Staten.